Hello, welcome to episode three of Fresh Brains Podcast. With you as always, I'm Scott. And I'm Brian. And um, yeah, Brian, what's up? What's new? Well, I took your advice and went and saw Barbarian in theaters this week. That was awesome. (laughs) It was great. Probably one of the best horror movies I've seen in theaters in years. Yeah, and you you get what I'm saying now. You can't talk about it, <laughs> can you? Can't say shit. I could basically say exactly the same stuff you said the last episode, but but yeah, I've been telling all my friends exactly what you told me. Definitely go see this movie while it's in theaters. It's a better experience, I think. And don't look up anything about it. Maybe don't even watch the trailer. Just trust us. Go see it. Yeah, and I did not see the trailer ahead of time, but I had you know a friend who did, and he basically said, "Oh yeah, girl gets a Airbnb friend, or somebody else has already rented it at the same time, and kind of turns looks like it turns into a hostage kind of situation." Um, but oh boy, does it go other places! Oh boy, that's, <laughs> that's the understatement of the season. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was great. And, you know, surprise humor thrown in there, too. So that's was not expected. But uh, like I said, totally I'm becoming uh, I'm becoming a long fan, a long fellow. Is that what should we call ourselves that? Uh, I don't know. I, I literally didn't look up anything about the movie, so I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, but again, we're not here to talk about Barbarian as, as good as it is. Um, although we're going to talk about something that's maybe just as uh, shocking. Um, so tonight going to 1932's Freaks, which I, I mean, obviously goes by the whole premise of our show, but you've never seen. Nope. Uh, I never heard of it. Never even heard of it. OK. I've heard of Freaks and Geeks, but something tells me this is different. <laughs> it is different. Um, yeah. Jason Siegel is not in this movie. <laughs> No, this one, it's, you know, we kind of picked it because I've got the whole long running list of all the different shows that show topics we could do. This came up because I really couldn't settle on anything. So I kind of threw it to you and said, what are you in the mood for? And I think your answers, your answer was you wanted something unsettling. And then from there, I said, okay, old or modern. And you said old. And then I said, okay, like 30s old or 60s old. And you said 30s. So Ta-da, yep. we ended up at Freaks. Cool. Um, yeah, this is a, a classic. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say too much about it, although there's really nothing you can spoil um, about the movie. It's there, there is a twist at the end that I'm not I'm not going to give away. Um, but it's a it's a very. Noteworthy film, um, and I'll, I'll kind of give you a little bit of context going in just so you kind of can put yourself in the shoes of the, the audience then. But so this was 1932 directed by Todd Browning, who he, you may know, know that name. Um, he was the director of Dracula. So, you know, the, the, the famous Bella Lugosi universal studios, Dracula. Um, and that was 1931. So this is a year after he made Dracula. Now, when Dracula came out, that was not not completely 
this isn't completely true, but it was kind of marked like the birth of talky horror films. Um, there were some German expressionist films before that. There were plenty of silent films before that, and, and there were other horrors. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that Dracula was truly the original, but it, it really kind of kicked a lot of things off. Um, it was made concurrently with Frankenstein. Um, they were both by Universal Studios and both in 1931, but you know, different directors, different um, people involved. But Dracula is obviously one of the, the two big ones. So Todd Browning made that movie, became very well known because of it and because that also kind of took um universal studios and put it on the map the the studios after that said here you go you know you have free reign to go make whatever you want to make and he said okay great had full control and he made freaks and Boy, did those studios regret that decision. Um, <laughs> what? Why did they? Are we going to find out why you, we regretted it? You, you will. And it, it's, a, it's a controversial movie, especially at the time. Um, 90 years ago, this movie was not well-received. Um, test audiences had a really, really difficult time with this movie, uh, so much so that the original cut of the film was like an hour and a half, you know, 90-minute movie. And they cut it down. The The movie we'll watch now, and actually the only version that still exists is only about 60 minutes long. Um, they cut 30 minutes of this film out. And unfortunately, those 30 minutes are also considered lost. So there's really no way to see the other half an hour that was in the original cut. Um, but yeah, test test audiences had a real difficult time with this movie. They They cut it down significantly. Uh, there were certain cities that completely banned the film. Um, wow. And, you know, for a long time, the movie just was only being played in in certain cities, certain states. Um, and it, it kind of ruined Todd Browning's career. Uh, it's It's got a big cult following, especially now. Um, and at the time, there were a lot of uh, theaters that were really kind of pushing the hype, you know, of, of its notoriety. But, um, yeah, even even though he wasn't, you know, officially blacklisted or anything like that, he had a really difficult time making any successful film after this. And this could be wrong, but I want to say he only really attempted it one more time. Um, I think he made a movie, Devil Doll or something that was maybe a couple of years later, but kind of. By the end of the 30s, he just gave up and then stopped making films because it was too difficult for him to get any any funding, any studio backing. It was he basically just got blacklisted because of this film. Oh, my God, that's that's nuts. Um, I guess after we watch the movie, that'll all become self-explanatory. I would think so. Um, Just just try to watch this, you know, from the perspective of 1932s audience as much as possible and you know bearing in mind that at that point film was fairly new so there there wasn't a lot that was being shown and there weren't a lot of things that were all that common for sure but um but yeah it's just very interesting the history that this movie has and it's really really sad that there's 30 minutes of it just completely lost and probably will never surface 
Wow. Okay. That's that's pretty interesting. I think that's uh, one of the most mysterious introductions to a movie I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you just to go back a sec. So when you say talky movies, you mean sort of movies with like horror movies with with actual dialogue in them, not sort of words, not like a yeah, silent for, versus silent films. Okay, and then I guess I think I've seen Dracula a couple of years ago, the the Bela Lugosi version, um, you know, and I found it entertaining and, and kind of creepy, but I I don't think I found it particularly scary. Do you, back then would would audiences have found that? more scary than they do now oh absolutely absolutely um the the big difference with movies at that time too and dracula was a perfect example of this was we didn't really know what movies were supposed to be um they hadn't kind of found their own footing yet so all we were used to or all you know audiences were used to was stage um plays so a lot of those early films were kind of just taking a stage play and putting it in front of a camera, um, which is why when you go back and watch the original Dracula, one of the biggest criticisms of it, and I agree with this, is that it's very slow. It's very um, dialogue heavy uh, and just kind of has a lot of like actors like walking to their mark turning and facing a certain way, delivering a line, you know, it does, it doesn't have that same natural flow that movies do now. Um, mm. But a lot of that was just what they were used to. And Dracula was a stage play. So that was, it was very mm. easy to just kind of adopt that over to the screen. Um, but yeah, that was, it, it was, it is a dry and slow movie by today's standards for sure. At that time though, when you really had nothing to compare it to, the idea of this creature who could, you know, drain the blood of innocent people, like, yeah, it was horrifying. Um, and especially when the the concept of special effects were so new. So even the simplest of effects would, you know, people had a hard time understanding how that wasn't like really happening. Um, there's a famous example of a movie that was uh, from, even you know a decade or so before Dracula that was just called a train pulls into a station and it was literally just a film like a camera sitting on train tracks and a train just like pulls up and like drives over it and it terrified people in theaters like they were getting up out of their seats and like running out of the theater because they thought this train was going to come through the screen and kill them um Oh man, I I think I've heard of that before, but uh, it's still so it's so hard to believe. Right. Yeah, I think the most hard thing to believe about that story is how they had a video camera that was small enough that it could go under a train because you know <laughs> that's a good point. But um yeah, so it's it, it, the suspension of disbelief wasn't quite there. People just didn't right quite know what to expect. Um so it, it seemed so much more real and you will notice that freaks is is much different than dracula uh it is not quite so dry i think it's it's got a little bit more suspense a little bit more of a story going to it um and i think it's a great example of just how skilled todd browning was so it's a real shame that this 
ruined him because I think he had amazing potential and, and a real gift. Um, but needless to say, you know, that's there's only a handful of movies we ever got from him. So. Oh, interesting. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Then I would say um, go grab your popcorn and uh, I'll meet you back here in just a minute for um, 1932's Freaks. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So there was Freaks. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That that was a movie. Holy crap. That was great. So I, uh, I guess I guess my uh first question is just when you requested something unsettling, did I did, did I deliver? Yeah, Scott, you delivered. <laughs> <laughs> you I yeah, I'm blown away, actually. I can't believe this was... I can't believe they made something like this in 1932. This is... It's unsettling now. Right. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, and I mean, the big question that I, I don't think any of us would be able to really answer today in, you know, in 2022, but is, like, is was this... God, I don't, I don't even know how to phrase this. Like, there's there's such a spectrum of what's acceptable on film today versus what was then. And, you know, clearly things like, you know, violence and sex and nudity and all of that is far more accepted today than it, it was back then. I mean, you couldn't portray anything overly violent or sexual, you know, back then. So... Something like that, I could definitely see getting banned or blacklisted. Um, but I feel like the what we saw a lot in this movie is kind of the opposite. Like it's you know we're, we're so so much more politically correct and just kind of aware of um, just social you know norms now that to, I think the idea of exploitation type films would just be so taboo like this this movie could never ever be made today um so it's it's just interesting to think like that might must be kind of the universal truth of like what would get you banned in a film because it wouldn't be acceptable now and it sure as hell wasn't acceptable then either yeah i mean i think this movie did cross a lot of lines and uh i think that's part of why it was unsettling you know yeah i'm not quite sure the best way to comment on that i uh like you said i really <laughs> i have no way how to no idea really how to 
how to handle that. I was just sort of blown away by it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you could make this kind of a movie today. I don't know if they should have made it back then, but it's it's one hell of a movie. Well, and I mean, to, to come to its defense a little bit, I would say that, you know, the one thing that does really well is that, I mean, it's hard to say that it's not exploitation because it obviously is. I mean, the, the title of the movie is Freaks and you have, you know, right in the spotlight, people with, you know, deformities and, um, you know, physical challenges and, and it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the way it's portrayed, none of that is really demonized or, I guess, villainized. Like, the the whole message behind the film is that, you know, uh, basically circus performers, because they're um, kind of shunned by society, they kind of form these... Uh, cliques or, or very strong bonds and families and it's kind of like this code that you don't fuck with each other you know and, and you have each other's back it's a family and the, what this movie is portraying is what happens when somebody um i, I guess dishonors that code and when that happens, there are consequences. But I don't think it's in an evil way. I don't think that any of the characters were acting out of um, an unnatural reaction. I think they were doing exactly what we would say is, you know, honorable and just. I mean, even though it was kind of barbaric what they ended up doing. But, you know, it's... Do, do you see the point that I'm making? Like, there, yeah. there's, no, yeah. there's nothing about it to exploit them i i guess and i mean I other than the fact that they're not being portrayed as just like oh everyday people they are being portrayed as cir- circus performers but that's also who they were like you know these were not actors playing circus performers they were actual circus performers um yeah more so, or less I mean, playing themselves yeah I, I guess i mean i guess i mean I think the one of the big issues with these types of things is, you know, exploitation and consent and and things like that. And you know, I I don't think this movie tried to cast. I mean, it did cast them in a negative light, right? But it also let themselves. I mean, they it didn't. They were dignified. That the the people in the show they acted dig, in a dignified way. So it wasn't. You know, it wasn't really. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep stumbling over my words here. It's hard. <laughs> I was. I mean, I mean, I, when you first, I had, I had just recently watched Nightmare Alley. I think I don't know if you if you've seen. Oh that. yeah, sure, sure. When it started off, I was like, oh, this is like an old version of Nightmare Alley, and then you know, like two minutes later, I was like, uh, maybe not, and then like. 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, God, what the fuck is Scott making me watch? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, then, and then you know, you start to sort of see where it's going. Like, uh, maybe two thirds of the way in and, you know, aha, they're gonna, they're gonna fuck this lady up for sure. She's like pretty evil. But, um. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I and I watched this. I think I watched this movie like with my jaw open and my eyes popped out like the whole freaking movie. I think you mentioned like, you know, I wasn't saying much. <laughs> I was, I was, um, yeah, I was definitely unsettled. I was, I was wrapped by this. I, I, my attention was glued to the screen pretty much the whole time. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. Um, it's so easy when you've seen, you know, these movies time after time after time. And it's, um, you know, part of what I love about doing this show was it's, I, I can't put myself back 20, 30 years to when I first saw this movie. I don't remember when it was that I saw it, but um, I, I can't put myself in those shoes anymore because I just don't remember. And I definitely, when I saw it the first time, really all I knew about it was that it, it had a reputation and I knew that it had been parodied numerous times. Um, you know, the, the scene at the, the dinner table at the wedding feast, um, you know, the Google gobble, Google gobble, one of us, you know, that's, that's been parodied in a lot of different things. Um, and I would say if there's any scene that's well known, that's probably it. Um, so I knew I knew about that much, but that was it. So it's easy for me to be dismissive of the film and be like, yeah, it's good. I remember, you know, liking it, but it's not that shocking. Well, that's because I am used to it, <laughs> you know, so to hear that here in 2022, somebody who's never seen it is still just like blown away. Like that's that's reassuring. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And, you know. I think we had talked about in the beginning of this um, how movies back then they weren't quite maybe maybe you said as as natural uh, the people don't act as naturally as they do mm -hmm. in them because they're used to plays right sort of you know you act differently in, I guess in a play than you act when you're you're in a movie for instance you can't really whisper <laughs> in a play right right uh, well I guess maybe now you can with you know microphones and things but doesn't I've never really seen anyone whisper in a play. But, um, you know, I think this one of the things that made this movie so effective on me, I guess, was that the story was pretty straightforward, right? It was, you know, these two people, the like the most normal people in the circus are like really taking advantage of the, you know, the, the freaks in the circus, I guess, right? I, I don't know what the right word would be, but you know, the Cleopatra is really taking advantage of Hans, and you know, it's like a, a kind of a typical, almost cliche story, right? I guess with a, a little bit of a twist, but I think what set this apart for me was that even with some of the overacting, it was still so serious. I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, like Hans's, you know, ex-girlfriend or whatever. He's like really beat up and it really came through. And then I guess the way it was filmed too, like towards the end, you know, there's they're in a lightning, like a thunder and lightning storm. And the, the, they're like crawling through the mud, like actual mud, you know. Again, there's no like, <laughs> there's no CGI in this whole movie. And so the whole thing was just very real, I guess. I don't know. I'll mm -hmm. be thinking about this for quite a while. It really sort of burned my retinas. 
Yeah, and you bring up a good point that it's the movie's serious the whole way. Um, the whole way. Because even even scenes where there's humor or um, I guess a little bit of levity, like the the wedding feast, for example, you know they're they're laughing, they're drinking, they're dancing, um, but at the same time, you know Hans is sitting there with his you know face in his hands, you know embarrassed by the whole thing and kind of starting to realize, oh, he's the butt of the joke and he he's in a sham marriage, you know, kind of thing. So you've you've got this celebration and these people who are happy and dancing. But in the backdrop is somebody who's absolutely miserable and just made yeah. the biggest mistake of their life. So yeah. there is no just everything's happy and blissful scene. Hell, even to the very end, um, you know, when you we see, you know, the future Hans has left the troop. He's, you know, kind of settled in with his fortune and he's got his mansion and then... Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and a butler, and then like, is it? I forget her name, Frida. Um, Frida, yeah. Frida shows up, and you know, is trying to reconcile. But even that scene, which is supposed to be this like, oh look, they're reunited, is so touching and and warm and wonderful. It's he's still bawling the whole time. Like it's just there's never a single scene where everybody on screen is happy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, except maybe Cleopatra and Hercules, and you know they're happy because they're horrible people yeah basically uh i mean i think in that last scene right where where frida is sort of consoling hans like hans's life is like broken essentially i mean yeah he's got money but frida was right he you know, he may never find happiness ever again right mm-hmm. and um, and because i think you know you know they they don't even just sort of they don't explain it like frida says that but you see that Hans is always very proper in the whole movie. Like he, he's always the most well-dressed character on on the set in every scene that he's in. He's like the most dignified character, and I think in like the whole movie. And so, like when he's when when Cleopatra kisses Hercules at his wedding, and he just sort of tears up. I was, I almost teared up. Like <laughs> I was. I was really heartbroken. I really felt awful. I could just, and then at the very last scene, you know, I think they, you'd mentioned they, they sort of cut this movie a ton. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably just tried to force some levity. Oh, Hans and Frieda are getting back together again. But, and, and, and so you sort of see that, right. Where, um, I forgot the, the, the clown and Venus. I, I'm not, I don't remember the name of the clown, the, the Venus and her new boyfriend, they sort of, smile at each other almost mischievously like i thought that was so inappropriate <laughs> because their two friends are just you know like broken on the floor next to them i just yeah yeah i i kind of got her wink to him as kind of a uh, let's give him some privacy kind of thing but but then they like smile as they look back like oh look we set them up <laughs> it's like oh i don't know if you did <laughs> Well, and going back to what you were saying about the movie being cut, um, I am almost certain that where most of the cuts came had to have been. um, Yeah. So like after they're they kind of 
take out Hercules and then they're they're chasing after Cleopatra. Um, and then there's this hard cut to yeah. the the carnival barker again, who's kind of, you know, telling and that's how she got to to this phase, you know, but it's it's a very deliberate cut that I'm sure the movie was building and and had a lot of scenes that actually showed what they did to her. Um, yeah. Uh, and all we really get is kind of the, the quick glimpse of, you know, clearly she's had, you know, her legs amputated, her arms have been mutated in some way and she's now a chicken person, but you know, it's, it's the, <laughs> yeah. it's this very weird scene where you're, you kind of want to linger on it. Cause you're like, wait, how does, how does that work? Like how, what did they do? But they, they don't let you linger on that. They, kind of give you the the quick show and then move on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's where most of the cuts came. Um, especially if, if the whole point of them cutting it down was just to appease audiences and test audiences who said like, this is too much. Yeah. I bet they scarred a lot of 1930s audience with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the the real famous story, and who knows whether this is true or not, was that some woman who was at the one of the test screenings threatened to sue MGM because she said this movie caused her to have a miscarriage. Oh my god, that's crazy! You Holy know, crap! Take that with a grain of salt. You know, who knows how accurate that is? But that's that's one of the fun little trivia bits that always kind of followed this movie around. Wow. Interesting. That's nuts. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that the the hour long time or running time hurt the movie in any way. Um, I actually think it, it helps it because, you know, as we said with with Dracula before before we watched that movie's dry and some of these older films when you kind of run it out to the the 90 minute mark, they do get a little bit stretched out. They get a little thin and sometimes they, they overstay their welcome a little bit. And the, the way that this movie is paced, there's not a lot going on. Um, you know, I would say for the first 30 minutes, it's mostly just setting up characters and, and not in a typical narrative way. It's just kind of, Here's a scene of these two characters interacting. Here's a scene of these two characters interacting. And it's it's not adding to the plot. It's just giving you more and more info as to who these people are. Um, you know, I take, for example, the, all the stories with the um, the guy who stutters and the, the um, conjoined twins. They keep going back and forth with them, you know, multiple times and how they're married and you know, bickering and fighting and all that kind of stuff, but it goes nowhere. Like it has nothing to do with the overall plot. Yeah, um, that's true. So, and there's a lot of other scenes like that, that it's just kind of like, here's the showcase of all the characters. So now you, you've got the, the full picture. Now let's go back over to Hans. We see that he's getting screwed over. Okay. Then they get married. Then we see he's getting poisoned. Then they get the revenge. So it's like, the second half of the movie is the real movie. The first half is just more filler. And mm-hmm. I would kind of be afraid that if this movie did run a full hour and a half, you'd also get a lot more filler and it might 
dry itself out. Um, mm. Whereas at, at a at a nice 62 minutes, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It gets that shock factor. You you can have you know this is a very digestible film without feeling bored by it. Um, and and because of the pace of it too, I think that it it works well as a um, you know I almost think of this as like an extended Twilight Zone episode. Like yeah, it's yeah, you know there's there's really very little that's happening up until that very last moment. Um, but prior to that last scene. You could even argue this isn't even a horror movie. Like I was, it's. I was just thinking that. I was thinking this is not. I mean, it's almost not really. I think except for the very last scene, I wouldn't really normally classify it as a horror movie. Right. Right. Yeah, just unsettling, I guess. Yeah, it's it's unsettling. It's different, and then you get that like light switch moment where all of a sudden it's just like, oh, and this is what happens when you cross the wrong people and. Now we're in trouble, um, but it happens quick. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Well, we don't know. They cut it. It could have. It could have lingered. But um, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you for showing me this. I guess <laughs> now I'm scarred too. I think. I think maybe one of the funny side effects of me doing this podcast with you is I'm getting less fresh with each episode. um yeah i mean eventually you'll just be desensitized to everything but it 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 does go back to kind of what i wanted to do which kind of gets that perspective of do these movies still hold up you know and everybody that i know that's a horror fan they know freaks they love freaks and it's it's hard to find somebody who says that they don't but is that because, well, we've all been watching Freaks for decades and we just know that it's one of those movies we're supposed to love? Or do we actually? And, you know, it's it's so easy to kind of fall into that bandwagon or fall onto that, oh, we like this because it's it's a classic, you know, or we like it because you're supposed to like it. But, like, does it really hold up today still? And, you know, I think in this case the answer is apparently yes, it does. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it's not... It definitely holds up. It's I wouldn't say it's scary, scary, right? Like I don't think I was scared, but I think, you know, my stomach was sort of tied up the whole time. You know, I think I had right. butterflies in my stomach for like a good fifty-five minutes for this movie. You know, so well, it's it's exactly what what, what we were going for, which is it's unsettling, and yeah. th- those are some of my favorite horror movies. They're the ones that get under your skin and just kind of like linger there for a while. And, you know, they don't leave me afraid to turn off the lights. They don't make me afraid to go take a walk by myself, but they just, you can't shake them. (laughs) And yeah, maybe, maybe this will do that for you. I think I'll be thinking about this for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Side note, the last scene where she's, you know, trying to give him, you know, his dose of poison before bed. Right. Is that guy playing an ocarina? Is that what that was? I'm not sure. Some some sort of flute. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, looked like an ocarina. Not sure if it is. I was wondering if you'd know. <laughs> no, what the I, I thought where you were going toward is um 
I don't know if anybody else has the same reaction that I do, but during that whole scene, like anytime I see somebody say like, oh, we're going to take medicine and there's a spoon and a jar of elixir that you pour out, like I immediately can taste Robitussin again from when I was a child. Oh like I think so that. <laughs> oh, Benadryl. Oh. Yeah, that, that fake cherry Robitussin flavor is just like burned onto my tongue and will be for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yeah, but I wonder I wonder if, you know, like people who grew up in a different time period, they taste a different disgusting medicine. Like maybe somebody else tastes some super weird awful version of like I don't know, licorice or you know, maybe there's like a bark flavor or something. Dr. McGarnacle's med- magical tonic. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, it's a miracle man. cure for what ails you. Yeah, that's this movie did not cure me of anything though. <laughs> that's for sure. Go get a good dewormer. Oh. <laughs> oh man, I think I uh, I have to go get a get de feathered. <laughs> uh, it's not even really funny actually. <laughs> this this movie was pretty fucked up. That's for sure. Have you ever actually been to a um, a national carnival and been, you know, to a you know, freak show? No, never. Yeah, no. I don't think that's really a thing anymore. I mean, well, if if it is, I'm unaware of it. But like, I've uh, you know, I've I've been to the fair and you know, carnivals and that kind of thing. But it's typically a I don't know. It's a festival of tilt a whirls and corn dogs. Not really. Um, bearded ladies and Siamese twins, but <laughs> yeah, usually there's also like some you know, rigged games and stuff. You're oh, it's all super stuff. rigged. Everything's you rigged. Stuff at stuff, and you can't, yeah, you can't ever get it where you want it. I actually had a friend as a side story, but um, a friend here in town who uh, was just fascinated with carnival games. Um, he collected. Uh, he collected carnival games, collected pinball machines, uh, was actually a, a professional magician. And he just knew like all of that stuff, everything that went on behind the scenes. And he used to, you know, tell stories and, you know, talk about how, how everything is rigged. Absolutely. Every game at a carnival is rigged. <laughs> and he had certain ones and he'd like demonstrate for me how, how it worked. And it's the most simple mechanics ever. Um, but they, but they're all rigged. And there was one time that he had gone to a carnival and was like trying to expose some of this just, you know, to keep things fair and whatever. And he very quickly learned, you don't do that. Like similar to this movie, like he, he, he got death threats. Um, he got, you know, people really, really pissed off at him because they're like, this is our way of life. You don't fuck with that. And quickly learned like, oh yeah, they're, they're not kidding around. They're going to turn him into a chicken. (laughs) Might've been a chicken. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, it's, it's all rigged. It's, it's about as, you've got about as good a chance of winning that big stuffed gorilla as you do winning the lottery. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Well, you did it again, Scott. You uh, you managed to find an, another movie that's gonna scar me a little bit. Good job. Excellent. Now, now I got now, now the pressure's on. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Although you you got to be careful, Brian, because I I do have a couple movies in the in the bag that I, I got to be careful when I when I pull those out because there's no there's no turning back. <laughs> oh jeez, you made me watch Found. I, I I'm like hesitant to even tell people about that movie. Although yeah. I guess now I'm doing it on a podcast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, beware, listeners. If uh, one of your friends ever tells you to watch this movie found alone with the lights off, uh, question that. Because yeah, back. It's a good movie. They can handle it. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's a horror movie. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. On that note, I think we're going to wrap up here. Um had, had fun watching Freaks again. feel like we actually got out of here a little early because it's a little bit sh- shorter film. Um, I'd like to make an announcement and say what we're going to watch next week, but who the hell knows what that's going to be? Uh, <laughs> Damn it, Scott, you had me there. <laughs> although I, I do like that at the time of recording, next episode is going to officially be in October, which you know is, is, is spooky season, so we've got lots of fun things to, to do. Maybe I'll start taking you down the Halloween Odyssey. Um, I, I don't know. There, there's there's all sorts of different places we can go, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Excited. Um, yeah, so I would say until next episode, um, you know, search us out on social media. We're on Instagram, Fresh Brains Podcast. Um, we're on Facebook as Fresh Brains Podcast. I'm on both. I don't post a ton. Um if on, on Facebook, in fact, I think I ex- post exclusively to that group more or less, but um, yeah, notes, notes for the show, movies that we're watching upcoming episodes, but also just other fun movies and things that we find around the internet. So come join the group and be part of the conversation. Um, and yeah, if you have an idea of a show that you think could scar Brian or uh, something that he definitely needs to see, shoot us an email at freshbrainspodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all of our social media things. Um, if you have not had a chance to get over to iTunes and shoot us a review, we would very, very much appreciate it. It definitely helps get our name out and get the, uh, the show found, um, so we can be discovered and get even more listeners. So, um, really all I got anything you want to say before we head out of here, Brian? Yeah. I mean, I think. You know, if you've listened to this podcast, it's already been spoiled for you. But if you haven't, or if you have friends who haven't, go watch this movie. It's a good one. Yeah, and it's it's a good movie too. I should have thrown this in there before. I think it's a good group movie. So, yeah, even if, even if we did spoil it for you, um, we didn't go through every individual scene. I think you could still have fun. Get some friends, expose them to it. Halloween's coming up. You could do worse. All right. Well, till next time. Till next time, I'm Scott. I'm Brian. And remember to always keep your brains fresh. Mm-hmm.